Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 56 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I'm joined by returning guest Nick Makoviak. Nick and I have a lot in common because he is a recent father. His daughter was born a handful of months after mine. He is also an elementary teacher like myself and we talk about a wide variety of topics in this episode, about being fathers, about teaching during a pandemic, COVID itself, and of course, we talk about Metallica because this is a Metallica podcast, but we definitely go a little bit deeper and get a little bit more personal than perhaps we would in a normal Metallicast episode. So I hope you enjoy. I think this was a really interesting conversation. Nick was very honest and open about some of his own uh, struggles and in terms of, you know, being a teacher during this time, dealing with COVID, being a new father, and just everything that life brings your way. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this conversation. There is a t-shirt that Metallica has called Birth, School, Metallica, Death. And I believe it's also a name of a book that's out there. And it's sort of been a saying. So I feel like it was an appropriate title for this episode because we sort of cover all those things uh, in one way or another by the end of this 90-minute or so conversation. So here is Nick Makoviak talking about being a father, dealing with COVID, teaching, and of course, the mighty Metallica. My guest today is a listener of the podcast. He is a fan of Metallica. He is an artist. He is a teacher. He has been on, I think, three times before. I was trying to figure out before you, before this. I, I know. I think there was something during in summer for all, and then definitely Pusshead, and then we talked about S and M when S and M two was first announced. And well, anyways, he's back, and that's all that matters. Please welcome back to Metallicast, Mr. Nick Makoviak. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I think my first podcast I've done in like a year and a half, probably since the last time I was on the show. Yeah. Well, when I keep harassing you, eventually you're going to say, fine, fine. I'll do it. Just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's what it is. Like, all right. It's like, uh, can I finish feeding my daughter first and putting her to bed, and then we'll talk about it? Later. And I drove to New Jersey. I <laughs> safely, from six feet, threw something at your hand, knocked it out of, knocked the spoon out of your hand, and said, "Go sit down and record." And uh, you know, but I, I, like I said, I was six feet from you. I wore a mask, so it, I mean, it's not like I was. It's not like I crossed any boundaries. Okay, just because I unlawfully went into your house and you know harassed you and your family just wash your hands 
guilty. Guilty as charged. I did not uh, wash oh, my damn hands. It. <laughs> uh, damn it. Well, actually, I have, a I have an interesting story about that. So, so, so kind of begin here. Um, just kind of let you guys know uh, this whole craziness with the pandemic and all that. Um, you know, Brandon reached out to me because like we both, you know, we're both fathers now. Oh, yeah. The last time, I don't even know if my wife was pregnant at the time maybe or i don't i don't again i don't remember anything at this point everything's been a blur I mean, everything just since, blends in i mean ever since march 13th 2020 it, everything <laughs> is just like i didn't know summer existed i forgot <laughs> april even happened last year i have no idea so you know like being an elementary <clears throat> art teacher like you're teaching all the kids and, and, and all that or whatever you know what was happening was like my wife and I, we were expecting our first child in, in March. So, you know, up, you know, the lead up to that, the baby shower and all that, everything was fine. And it was just the background was the whispers of COVID, you know, cause I had heard about it. I was reading about it. I think back in late December, it was yeah. kind of posted in a couple of places and me too. Know, like, and I yeah. said, Oh, this is like SARS. Like we're not going to have to worry about this. Right. Oh, it's, it's the flu. And then yeah, we, you know, then it came here. I can vividly remember like that whole entire week leading up to March 13th, like it was a ninth. And that was the, um, the first, the first, uh, death, COVID death in New Jersey. I remember talking to the office, you know, the secretaries there. And I'm saying like, just wait until someone in our district gets it and then all hell will break loose. So then that was Monday, two days later, the first case in our district happened. And I'm like, shit's just gonna roll downhill from here and then like the following day we had um a meeting you know this is probably gonna happen you know we're gonna probably be remote we don't know the following day the friday the 13th it's like fuck it we're shutting down we're we're, we're remote now we're the fifth largest district in the state and we were going to turn it around to be remote in a, in a day and a half with like no training so you know, you talk about stress, <clears throat> like we were talking before, you know, before we recorded, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just slowing my ride to hell down a little bit slower, hopefully yeah. landing in purgatory with being, you know, the lapsed Catholic of like, oh, like for Lent, I'm going to give up alcohol, which, yeah, yeah. you know, I did, I was doing really well. Then March 13th, hit, and it was just so much information where I'm like, I, here, just give me this. Just give me this bottle, and just tell me when. And no yeah. one, no one told me when. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and 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 the weird thing is that I think the whole world experienced that at the same time. Oh yeah, because that's kind of like that's exactly what it, like when it all happened. Like everything just kind yeah. of stopped right then. So then the following week, you know, we were all remote, and it was it was the the wild west. There were there's no rules. Yeah. Everything for us was changing like every day. Some, you know, in the beginning, it would, it would be two or three times a day. We would get a notice about this was changing, that was changing. Oh, 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 this changed. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. We're doing this <laughs> other change now. You know, all that. No, yeah, forget it. No, no, no. We got something else. So it's just, you're just like, you couldn't even keep your head on straight long enough. So then that whole first week of being remote. You know, like, I was starting not to feel well. Like, I was tired and lethargic. And I'm like, well, you know, it's the weather changing. It's, just, you know, it's getting to be springtime. And I had, I had noticed 
that I lost my sense of smell and taste. Now at the time, no one knew anything about that. I'm like, oh, right. that's, just, that's weird. Yeah. You know, like that's a really bad cold because I couldn't blow my yeah, nose or yeah. anything. So, and I was starting not to sleep well at night. And then the, the Saturday, the night before my daughter was born, actually like when we were going to go to the hospital, I started to feel warm and I was actually starting to run a fever, which I was actually luckily enough able to break before anything happened. So my fever broke. I slept for about two hours. My wife's like, we got to go. We went, the daughter was oh, born. Wow. I can, yeah. I, I can even tell you that she was born March 22nd. And I remember we got to the hospital. No one was wearing masks. Everything was fine. Mm-hmm. But then during, but then our, during our time there, Nurses come in, their mask on. Hey, don't worry about it. We got this protocol. Then they started coming in with masks and gloves, and you have yeah. to wear a mask. It just, yeah. we were like at ground zero when all of this happened. Mm-hmm. And then once my daughter was born, I was able to like to blow my nose, and all the mucus came out, and I was able to smell and taste <laughs> again. So I really, I, so I was yeah. just, you know, backed up. Yeah. So then our district in early May, they were doing antibody tests for free. So I'm like, well, you know, I want to get tested for it. And actually my antibodies came back positive. Hmm. <clears throat> so then I took another test in July for one of my others for my summer job. And that also came back. Antibodies came back positive. So now, now that like everything's kind of evolved, you know, now I'm looking back at it and I'm like, son of a bitch. I actually had in my yeah. mind, I had it. Yeah. But, but when we went to the hospital, they were like, do you have a fever? No. Do you shorten as a breath? No. Have you traveled anywhere in the last two weeks? No. Because that that's what all they're yeah. looking for. It was it was such an evolving thing. Yeah, you found out new stuff every day for a period yeah. of time, you know? Like every day it was like, Oh well, this is a symptom, that is a symptom, this, that and it was just like everything was changing constantly. And yeah. that whole period when everybody was sort of finding out in uh America was just like a blur too, you know. Yeah, because like you also didn't know what was true, what wasn't true. This this person said this, this right. one said that. It's like, you know, because it's like okay, I had that to worry about. Now I have to keep this little human alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm trying not to watch the news because I'm like, how the how do, how do you change a diaper? How do you bottle, how do you bottle feet? I don't know, I don't know any of this. Yeah, you know, and one thing I would say is like with with you know being you know, a, you know like a new parent a new father a new mother you know during this whole thing was very cha- like very challenging for me it was probably one of the most challenging things i've ever done sure actually the most challenging thing i've ever done scratch yeah. the most challenging thing you know on top of like trying to teach remotely and um not wanting you know like not knowing how that works because now this is com- completely different, all new territory. No one knows what's going on. So you're just kind of f- fumbling through the dark, trying to mm-hmm. find how to do that. At the same time, fumbling through the dark of like, you know, like, oh my God, like my daughter's waking up every three hours. Hopefully, oh, oh okay, she's alive. Okay. Or, you know, like just constantly being tired because, you know, you're not sleeping yeah. as a new parent. Yeah. And then having to go to work and then not really knowing how that is. And then trying to create a project while like your, your daughter's crying, you're trying to help out, you know, trying to help out my wife. Cause I, cause 
one silver lining is like, yes, I was able to stay home and be with my daughter and, and have that time right. with her. But I didn't have that paternity leave where I didn't have to worry about work. I was always running back and forth between, you know, my room here yeah. and in either the living room, the bedroom, you know, wherever, you know, to help out. And admittedly, I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I something to like this really deep depression or like into the summer because I was just like, you know, like, I can't put her to sleep. You know, why is she crying all the time? What am I doing wrong? Why is she not taking food from me? Why is she not taking the bottle? You know, I was just, there was constant doubt about everything. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it affected me really, really hard, you know, and that's something that I don't feel is really talked a lot about is like, you know, how it is for like the father in all of this. Because there's plenty of yeah. things, plenty of things helping out mothers, you know, with, um, <clears throat> with uh, postpartum depression and, you know, helping, you know, helping them out through like the first year or two. There's not a lot, of, a lot of information for us. Yeah. You know, and, and that's tough because I'm just just on Google, just trying to find anything. <laughs> and that can be a slippery slope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely is. So you just have to like. There is of, a lot of helpful information out there, but you stumble upon one or two of, of the wrong articles. And you're like, oh, hey, wait, wait a minute. I, uh... <laughs> right. Shit. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, read, you read through it and you're like. Oh my god! I have all these things. I'm, like, I'm a horrible person, <laughs> you know. And you know, with you know, with dealing, you know, with all that, it just it came down to like for me of just okay, you're you know, you're you're having a lot of issues because you know you're falling apart. Pull your you know, get your shit together. You know, get, you know, get your mind right, get your body right, and everything else will fall into place. That was right. what it was for me because, like, I wasn't, I wasn't drawing or painting, I wasn't working out. I, I kind of just everything just stopped for like three or four months, you know, of just running back and forth, showering. You know, showering was optional, clothes was optional. You know, basically, it was just making sure that the checks came in every two weeks, the bills were paid, and I was trying to help out wherever I could. Yeah. So it was, so that part was, it was very difficult for me. And it took me, like I said, until like the summer. And I'm talking like late July, early August to like pull my head out of my ass and like, okay, like you got to fix yourself here. What do you need to do? Okay. You need to, you need to knock off all this self pity shit and just go out, run every other day. And I was saying, I was running at five, five thirty in the morning like a madman. You know, try not to get hit by cars, <laughs> which I was still like a couple times. I'm running at, like on on a Saturday at like five thirty in the morning on a, in September. I'm like, who the fuck is driving at five thirty in the morning on a Saturday in September during a pandemic? I know. What, what fucking job do you have? It's so important that you need to be up at five thirty in the morning driving on a Saturday. And he's like, I'm a fucking doctor, man. Fuck you. Yeah, You're a doctor. Like, come on. I'm the scientist who created the vaccine. God damn it! I know it's probably something like that. And like, well, then watch where you're going. You know. <laughs> well, but, this is, you know, uh, I wanted to have you on the show for so many reasons, and obviously to talk about metallic. But this, everything you just talked about, was a big reason why I wanted you to have to have you on because we are in similar positions where I am a recent father. Um, 
my daughter was born in October, so just a handful of months before yours was born. And we're both teachers during this crazy time during the pandemic, teaching remote. And, you know, I, I think that um, everything that you expressed is completely normal for everybody who's going through the pandemic and for new fathers. Um, I know when my daughter was born and sometimes to this day, almost a year later, I'm still like, you, you just doubt yourself and you're like, am I a bad parent? Did I do that? Right. But you got to kind of, kind of just like eventually own the mistakes and just learn from it and move on like you would anything. But then you're like, but there's this little human attached to it. I don't want to mess them up too much, you know? Right. I don't want my daughter to be yeah. a serial. <laughs> yeah. you know, Which you I want to watch too much SpongeBob when she was you know, like 10 months old. It's always yeah. like those things that like run through your mind because you read all these articles. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you shouldn't do th- You should do this and not do that. It's like, yeah. Ultimately, like you know, like we're like we're raising our daughter the best way that we can during all of this, and I have to say, like she's yeah. a great kid. I mean, yeah. you know, like there's n- nothing more than just like being able to like just hold her, you know, in your chest, rocking her back to forth to sleep, or like the little throw her in the air and catch her that little giggle she has, yeah. or like reading her a book. You know, all those things are like you can never get those times back. Right. And that's what like. I think I was more preoccupied with how I was doing and being selfish that way, as opposed to like, I need to do this for her. Right. And that's where like things started to change a bit. And I'm like, okay, this isn't about me. This is about her. Right. Yeah. You no. Know? And that's where like, Oh, the, the train started to you know, like the, the gears were starting to click a bit more into motion. Like, Oh, I need to knock this shit off. Like, yeah. Like, there was a couple times where, you know, I'm not proud to say this, where like, you know, I was drowning my sorrows with Jack Daniels and I missed bedtime because I was just passed out in the bed. And I, you know, the next day I just such, you know, like just forget the physical side effects. Like I felt like shit because like to me, I let her down. I'm like, I can't yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and also like just physically, like, you know, like, not that like I'm that much old, like older, but like, you know, I was a new parent at 36 and I'm 37 now. My daughter's 10 months old. I'm like, I want to be able to play with her, Yeah. yeah. you know, and I want to be able to physically be in shape. You know, not, I don't need to be, you know, you don't need like, to be jacked like me. I know. Right. I don't yeah. need to be jacked like yeah. you, you know, or like yeah. John Cena or whatever, but <laughs> I want to be healthy where I can run around and play with her. Right. You know, instead of like being like the, Al Bundy dad, you know, with his hand in his, you know, down his <laughs> pants and like, all right, you know, get, the, get out of my face. I want to, you know, be yeah, there and be active. Sure. So that was like, started to go like, okay, I need to, like, these are selfish habits. Mm. So this is, this is, you know, for me, and it's, and again, it's okay to be selfish about some things. Like you do need to have some things for yourself. Yes. But ultimately it's like, okay what are some things that I, that I'm doing that's for me, that's not benefiting anyone else. Like, well, right. you know, I don't need to, you know, destroy an entire, entire bottle of wild Turkey <laughs> in a night, you know, like yeah. a sip here or there is fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, you know, or it's like, you know, make sure like you do that. You know, like she goes to bed. Okay. And then, okay. You may maybe have like a drink or two and right. you're done. Yeah. 
and and then because they wake up and you know you can't be hungover for work even though like you're remote i i was always i had i joked about it but i was never like i didn't want to even being remote you know show up to work like so out of mm-hmm. your mind you can't do anything because that's just not professional sure so, so it was kind of like making sure that that kept that kept fine and i, and I was you know like and it's kind of circumventing back to the whole point of this uh, podcast being Metallica related. There was like a couple songs that now, for me as a as a as a father, like really start to stand out a bit more and mean a, a bit differently. And I and for me, the two songs that jumped out to me right away were the where the wild things are, and am I savage? Those are the two songs that really <clears throat> na- like now like spoke differently to me and i yes. think for me you know like where the wild things are especially like the the second verse of like the you know big eyes open to believing all on their sun and moon you know does heaven know you're here and that it bring you a smile like i'm like wow like that's pretty fucking deep for like this pseudo rock metal song yeah know? off of an album that people hate you know <laughs> tom quee you're listening (laughs) i know you don't like reload i know reload sucks but it's a good song you know and like it's one of those things where like if you were just like the tip i don't say typical but if you were just like a casual heavy metal or hard rock thing you hear this song you're like "Eh, it's not my jam i understand Mm -hmm. that but once you have a child and you're listening to it it speaks very differently to you 100 percent uh, you know, I, I was just thinking of a few things as you were talking and, you know, there's, I f- feel like there's you, parenting, like everything else is finding the balance and it's not easy to find the balance, right? If you're, if you have a child and you're married or in a, some kind of relationship with, you know, that partner, you have to find time for your partner. You have to find all the time to be with your child, you know, while they're awake and you also have to find time for yourself. Meanwhile, you're working and there's a pandemic and there's all this other stuff going on. And it's incredibly hard balance to, uh, to find. Uh, but it gets, for me, I found that it gets easier. And like this podcast has, I like I've increased to doing it once a week because for me, this is like a once a week outlet that I can channel things into, you know, and I can have uh, a few hours where I can record, I can edit and I can be selfish with my time. And then, you know, so I think it's it just important to find that outlet. And, you know, I, I also want to talk to you just about, oh, you mentioned the songs and how your relationship with music and with Metallica has changed as becoming parenting in different ways because i always think too like already when i was a working adult before i was even married my relationship with music changed because i just had less time you know you graduate college and now it's like you all of a sudden you go from being in your bedroom listening to all your albums on loop to like hearing a part of an album on your commute to work and then hearing part of it, the album a couple of days later and, and, and now and then you get married and then you have a kid and then you, that time even gets less so. And so it's like very hard to like digest 
um, music I find now and it can be very hard to uh, find you know the time to really spend with it but on the flip side of that the time you do spend with it can sort of take on a deeper meaning in some ways and songs can sort of take on a new meaning because of your new life experiences and you're kind of approaching it from a different perspective with everything going on in your life and I think cherishing that time too where you're like all right I'm taking five minutes to myself to listen to this song or or sharing the song with your daughter and I like I love that you mentioned where the wild things are because when my daughter was a newborn I'm talking like the first week home um she was just crying I think I think honestly it was the first full day home she was just crying and my wife and I are looking at you like we have no clue what to do we've never been parents before we have no clue how to help this poor little girl just be calm like we she's fed she's uh you know, she napped like I, I we have to, you, know, you kind of like go through that. You're like, I don't know. You're like rocking her and walking around and trying all these things. And it was just sort of a fluke that I just started playing her some music and a relative uh, got her a uh, lullaby Metallica CD. I was gonna mention that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I put on the lullabies and she was, you know, was sort of up and down during it. But she seemed to even you know at a week old was seemed to kind of have some kind of reaction to when music was played and i always played her music when she was in the womb mm-hmm. um and then i played uh where the wild things are and she just was silent and i was like that must have just been a coincidence and then i you know played a couple other songs or she gradually worked her way back up and then i played where the wild things are and she was silent and i and my wife was upstairs during this so my wife comes downstairs i'm like she loves this metallica song and my wife's like oh my god like she's been home a week you're already like going on about how she she's like i'm like no not like and a couple days later i'm like she was worked up again i'm gonna put on this song i'm telling you she's gonna be quiet she was quiet. So I, and I ended up creating like a relaxed playlist of like five songs that just seemed to sort of chill her out. But mm-hmm. where the wild things are was the first song on that playlist. And we would be um, in the, it got to the point where my wife like put it on her phone. <laughs> <laughs> so like our connection to that song. Well, my connection to the song became our connection to the song, and it took on a whole different meaning than just the lyrical content. But like mm-hmm. you mentioned, when you look at the lyrics, like I knew I, I had looked at the lyrics prior to ever, you know, in 1997 when I was <laughs> when all, this adult life I live was the farthest thing from my brain. And you, you know, I remember reading interviews with James Hatfield and he's kind of talking about what it's about. So I knew it was about, you know, bringing a child into the world. But then when you're staring at your own child and you're listening to these words, all of a sudden you're like, I kind of get it. Yeah, it hits you. It hits you like a, like a ton of bricks in a whole different way. You're like, yeah. oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, with like the Metallica lullabies, <clears throat> like we were... When I would when I would drive 
home, like from my parents' house to back to my house. It's only like a 20, 25 minute drive, but you know, she would be crying and whatever. I'm like, oh, it's gotta be something to the, I'm like, oh, the, let me see if this works. And she's just quiet, listens, <laughs> fall asleep. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. So, I mean, yeah. Like the other thing too, that really grew on to me, which kind of goes more into kind of like what James Hetfield would go through. It would, it would be Am I Savage? And I see a lot of myself in that song. And a lot of people would be on first glance would be quick to dismiss it. It's like, Oh, it's another, you know, werewolf song. <laughs> right. Right. You know, or it's like herky jerky. It has that awesome breakdown in the middle, but otherwise yeah. it's a, you know, boring track from hardwired or whatever. And their criticism is, is, you know, is it's fair. So it's not, not going to say like, you know, that they're wrong in that thought, but the whole song, you know, is really, a, it's kind of like this black mirror version of, um, cats in the cradle <laughs> in a way and i know that's a that someone's shaking their head and rolling their eyes like you, you fucking dolt it's perfect it's perfect <laughs> right but, it really, but you, know, you think like you know cats in the cradle where it's you know it's this song about this kid at idolizing his father who's never there and he ends up yeah. growing up just like him you know and then in am i savage it's you know you're this monster and you don't want your child to be that monster. And no matter how hard you fight, you can, your child ends up becoming the monster that you, that you were afraid of. Right. And I always look at that. Like there are like, you know, you know, yourself, you know, your strengths, your flaws, your weaknesses. And you're like, Oh man, I just hope, I hope it's like, man, I hope my daughter has like my, my wife's genes. I hope she, you know, I hope, you know, I hope she has this, you know, and like she, my daughter looks like looks like me. I'm like, this girl is screwed. She's done for. I'm like, God, she's cute. She's cute now. I'm like, oh God. Yeah. You know, but but it is that fear of like, man, <clears throat> I don't. I want her like to have the best qualities, but you know, like deep down, you're like, oh man, I, I don't want her to have this quality that I have. Yeah. I don't want her to have like this, not you know, anxiety, but hesitation and decision you know mm. or i don't want her to like fall into some of the pitfalls that i did right you know because of you know my circumstances or whatever so like that song to me really took on this whole different meaning of like you know and, and just sensing it too when you're like you become that monster you become you know that thing and you're like oh like you can feel it and then that energy is transferred then to your child and you're like Oh shit. And that's where again where you're kind of like, wait a minute, I yeah. can't I can't do this. You know, like you could be, you know, mad and angry that she's not taking the bottle, she's not going to sleep or mm. what whatever the fuck, you know. But you have to be bigger than that. You know, you right. have to go beyond that. Otherwise that energy gets transferred from you to her or to or to him. And you know, that's where that cycle comes from. That's where that whole song is about this vicious cycle of, you know, of, of horror where like, you, no matter how much you try to fight it, you know, it just comes full circle and you're like, God damn it. So that's yeah. where like that song speaks of like, it's like this horror story, but it's also true. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't, you don't, it doesn't have to be true. 
if you don't make it that way. And that's it's more like this kind of precautionary tale yes. of, you know, be careful because your actions, you know, influence other people, especially, you know, this little sponge you have, mm-hmm. you know, because she's she's seeing the world around you. Yeah. You know, because you because to her, you you are her world. Mm-hmm. And if you act, behave a certain way, you say certain things, she absorbs that as well. This oh, is yeah. what this is what dad does. This is what mom does. This is whoever does. You know, mm-hmm. that, and that's something now where you have to go, all right, I have to be more careful about all this stuff, you know, yeah. and how you control your emotions and your reaction to things and how you interact with other people because she's going to see that and she's going to feel that and absorb that. And you need to be, you know, not on, you need to be almost on, 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 you know, pins and needles the entire time. Because again, you know, I want better for her. I don't sure. want her to be, I want her to be better than me. I don't want her to be me. You know, I'm not that good of a person. <laughs> I want her to be better than who I am now, you know, and to, you know, continue, you know, continue to be better. So, or at least better than the song, better than you. Well, anything's better than that song. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, that song sucks. I, I, I've always hated that song. I've I will, I will go on record to say that is by far the worst single Metallica has ever released. True, I agree with that. Yeah, it may not be the worst song, but it's in the bottom five. <laughs> it's just a song I just never got into. I never liked. Yeah. You know, and that train just keeps rolling, rolling. and it just keeps rolling yeah. and rolling Roll. and rolling, and it just runs you over. Whoa! <laughs> and then backs up, runs you over. You again. just never stop the locomotion on and on and on and on. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the tie-in with what you were saying, one hundred percent. And there's one thing. Well, there's many things I learned being a teacher, but one of the things you learn is that kids pick up your energy at all ages you if i walk into a classroom and i'm in a shitty mood guess what those kids are going to know and they're either gonna they're gonna do one of two things they're gonna do everything they can to make your mood shittier because they find it amusing or they're just gonna it's just gonna rub off on them they're gonna get agitated and grumpy and it's just either way it's a very negative experience so when you now are in charge of this child 24-7, it really makes you do a lot of self-reflection mm-hmm. and makes you really be like, okay, I have to be very careful with how I say this, do this, respond to this. And like, I know, I think my wife and I both, but me especially like have definitely you know whether it's she's running and she falls and takes a huge nasty stumble or she does something that's like crazy you know like no it's just like you have to check yourself and just like almost like not show emotion just be like okay Uh (laughs) and just kind of keep it calmly going even though inside you're like Oh my god! <laughs> right, right. Or like, like at, at this point now, like my daughter's eating with a like eating like salads with a fork. Yeah, and she'll go through this phase where she likes a food for like a day, and then like the next day, 
she's playing with the fork and putting yeah. the wrong end in her mouth and you're just like just eat your goddamn dinner so i can eat oh yeah that's funny oh you're so, oh, you're so silly because you know you can't yeah you know because like that energy but mm-hmm. as i said like i made a lot of mistakes where i was just like 40 minutes going back and forth and like motherfucker just go to sleep you know yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. just tired and just like it makes it worse oh yeah and then with and then with teaching like you start like for you know i've been in been this game for for a number of years and it's like you know now i'm looking at it going hmm what if i was the teacher of my kid i do and, that all and the that time. that cert- that flip the script a lot you know and i think also too in a mm-hmm. pandemic that flips it too and it's even more so i'm like yeah. i'm like why do kids like me i'm an asshole like <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't like me like if i would like i'd call him like this fucking prick fired yeah. him already well i was no. going to ask you about that because i know for me personally it has changed how i teach i was always a very um very strict like going to classroom just going like ba 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 little like i i'd have fun with the kids and i was nice to the kids but i was also there's also kind of like a drill sergeant side to my yeah. teaching um and now i feel like between being remote bringing them into my literally my house and having like my family around it's like way more personable and between that the fact that I have a daughter, I'm always thinking like, how would I want her teachers to talk and interact with her? It has completely changed how I teach and how I interact. And I even had, um, and Mr. be like, you're like way more loose. And I'm like, yeah. Another part of it too, is that to be honest with you, like I just, I, I care about my job. I take it seriously. I enjoy what I do. And I, um, you know, I'm very thankful that I have a job, but I also just stopped caring. Like it's not, it's no longer like the number one, most important part of my life. You know, like I was always very like, want to be the best teacher, want to keep moving up my career. And then my daughter was born. just like, I don't care anymore. Winner, winner. <laughs> yeah, right like, like I just. Like it, none of this is important at the end of the right. day. Like I could have a yeah. horrible day. All right. The day's over. Now I'm going to go yeah. play with my daughter. Yeah. Life moves you on, know. you know? Oh yeah. Like I remember, uh, probably. Yeah. When I told my coworkers that I was, you know, expecting like this was like September, October. It's funny how like all of a sudden I didn't care about my job as much where it's like, this is a job. Yeah. yeah. Kids are going to do shitty work. Yeah. Whatever. You know, it's, <laughs> Like I was, you know, because I had been working with kids since I was 19 years old, you know, where I was way Argo, super aggressive to like, you know, too, like too many years and just kind of like, you know what, there are things that are far more important than like hitting SGO goals and all this other yeah. shit. Cause you realize it's all just nonsense that no one looks yeah. at and like no one cares about except for like, administrators and in five years they'll be spewing something different anyway so yeah exactly so i was already in that in that train of like none of this matters like what's you know like what 
in kid has in a project else late, you know and again like i'm an art teacher no one cares about art so whatever <laughs> so like, it, I, well I, it is good being like i'm a music teacher you're an art teacher you do escape under the radar a lot oh, yeah. you know like more so than oh. math and you like because they're like well let's look at the data for me they're just like let's hear them sing a song <laughs> yeah or, or it's like oh you 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 teach oh fantastic like, you show up for work today. That's great. now like the bar is so low but also you know at the same time he can hold a pencil <laughs> oh look they're not eating clay today congratulations you're doing your job very well yeah, but the other on, on the other hand though because for me because i'm teaching the entire school and that goes between 650 to 700 kids that's a lot of kids oh yeah so you know it was keeping track of their work and it's like why like why do i care if this kid's missing all of his assignments like i don't i, I, don't, I don't really care <laughs> but i know you have to have some sort of responsibility so sure you put out the the emails and it's like you know yeah. You know, like you know, like, hey Brandon, just to let you know you haven't handed in anything since September. Can you yeah. get me in something? The marking period's over, so you don't fail. Yeah. You know, and like you do what you can. There's always going to be a parent or two that are going to complain, and it's like, uh, well, it is it's like, what you, it is. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it is what it is. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, yeah. Like we have the software now where you know I can see if a kid's on YouTube during class, and I can block yeah. it. Or, yeah, we have so that too. Like, like the whole thing too that I don't think people understand is like my day never ends. Yeah. Like, like I wake up at five thirty in the morning. They get you know they get ready for the day, and I spend thirty to forty minutes before I shower, grading projects, answering emails from kids that send me something that like probably they're probably emailing me right now because that's how it is. Oh yeah, I get notifications from Google Classroom that so and so handed an assignment. I'm like, it's like eleven thirty at night. And you're like in fourth grade. Go to bed. <laughs> well, I could. Well, I I can tell you right now. Like when this started back in the springtime, I would get emails at three o'clock in the oh, morning. Yeah. No oh, lie, yeah. you know this would be twenty four seven, like Saturdays, Sundays, yeah. and even, like it's a little bit better now because we actually have a structure in place where we actually have a set schedule of like when classes are supposed to be, like you know, like you would like regularly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll have kids email like email me. Saturday morning at like eleven thirty. I'm like I'm not. I'm not, I'm not checking my email on, on Saturday or Sunday or even like Friday at the three thirty. Like I'm not. I'm not checking yeah. that. Yeah. Like I'll do the courtesy check on my phone just so I don't have like fifty emails and I come back Monday yeah. morning. But it's like I'm not creating anything, guys. I'm not. It's like you're I'm like guys. It's art. I'm whatever you have is fine. Like like we're yeah. doing a watercolor project. I don't have paint. That's fine. Just color a project for me. I don't really care. Yeah. You know, like <clears throat> grading wise, y- yes, there's the whole, um, you know, fa- you know, failing them forward. I understand that, which is totally legitimate. But I'm like, you know what? I don't know these kids' backstories. I know, mm-hmm. you know, some kids, their parents lost their jobs. They have family members that lost that lost their lives to COVID. Yeah, you know, it's like you don't know what the hell is going on. I mean, I can see what's going on because I can see like half, you know, like you know. <clears throat> the kids on camera and like their brothers and sisters are running around in the background. Right. Or like, I can see like this one's talking here and like the, and, like this siblings over here talking, you know, like on class and this one's over here. So there's a lot going on. Well, it's on. like, I know uh, we're lucky enough to have my daughter in daycare, 
but there are days when she's home if she's not feeling well or you know earlier this week we had a snowstorm so she was home for a couple days and so now it's just like i know if if it's chaotic for me an educated adult who is you know it's if it's chaotic for me to just be on zoom and then go take care of my daughter and come back to if just that is chaotic then i can imagine that for a third fourth fifth grader 10th grader that things are chaotic you know so i i definitely have a lot of sympathy for it and i definitely want to get back into the metallica talk but I do just for everybody listening. Wait, is it a Metallica podcast? I know you would never know, right? <laughs> but that's well, I mean, cool. I think this is a. I think this is good. This is good shit right now. I do too. Well, I mean that I, I knew I went into this episode knowing it was going to be a little bit different, and I'm well aware that some people listening might be like, um, "What the fuck?" But go listen to another episode. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Yeah. yeah, there's you know there's a lot right now, and I don't want to be a dick, but yeah, hey. Yeah. I, I think this is a good talk. So, but I, I just for anybody listening, because a lot of people are probably wondering, they're, they're not teachers and they're probably like, how do you teach art and music or perhaps anything on Zoom? And, I, and, I, and I'll just say for music, uh, my they want the kids to sing. Well, the technology for real-time performance does not exist. So when you have kids sing on Zoom on mic at the same time, it sounds like 30 million drunk Dave Mustaines going because our the the connections are delayed, there's you know, there's lag, there's whatever. There's background noise, there's TVs, there's family members, and there's family members swearing. And it's just the whole thing is like a mess. It sounds like a bunch of drunk Dave Mustaines. And so when they sing, they're on mute. So I will, let's say, sing a line of a song. I'll say, just like the Pied Piper. All right, sing. And that silence you heard is exactly what I hear. Now, I'm used to being in a classroom, singing the line, and hearing an immediate response. Now I have to say, I got to see your mouth's moving on camera so I know that you're singing. And yes, I am teaching my class Megadeth, as all elementary music teachers do. <laughs> so it is super, it was super awkward at first. Now I'm used to it, like, but it's super awkward at first. And I, of course, I have kids who are willing like unmute themselves and sing on mic and I have them record a video so I can hear them later. So it's not like I just never hear them, but when you're doing a live 45 minute lesson on zoom and you're like, I'm singing this line, sing it back. Great job guys. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. so it's very awkward teaching music in this remote setting and i have and i know from you know talking to you before we started recording talking to colleagues and just having experience a bit of it myself it's very awkward for an art teacher because you don't know what the kids have for supplies and all art is is supplies you got to provide 
pencils, yeah, yeah. paper, crayons, colored pencils, yeah. paint, uh, clay, whatever. Right. You know, and like before, you know, like during the, um, you know, during the, 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 during the pandemic, right when it started, I had an art room and then I found out in May that this, up, that this school year, I was losing my art room and going on a cart, which was not COVID related. It was just, we had an incoming third grade class that was too big. So I had to lose the room. So that limits you what you can do. I'm like, oh, I was on a cart for three years. That doesn't really bother me. So yeah, what bothered me was going through all the 675 portfolios, getting them out of the room and cleaning everything <laughs> up. That was, that, that's another story for another day. <laughs> but with teaching art, it's kind of like, well, how do you do it? You know, my coworker asked me, goes, how do you do it? I'm like, you don't, you don't teach art. You just facilitate and you just kind of curate the class. Mm-hmm. So because when you're in a classroom, you have, especially with art, you control the outcome because you supply the material the paper the paint the pastels the crayons the pencils the erasers the canvas you know you, you supply all that so you already you know, like the kids already have this, the thing that they need right but when they're home you don't know what they have i have some kids that have really really high quality supplies which is saying because like they're like oh i have this brand of watercolor i'm like why do you have that I have that, and that cost me two hundred dollars. Why? Why the fuck does a ten year old need, you know, Selenier watercolor paint? You know, like, you don't need that. And then I have, to, then I have some kids who can't even put two broken crayons together to make a whole, make right. a whole one. Yeah. So like, you have to keep that in mind. You know, we're like in the beginning, I kept everything kind of drawing base because I'm like, at least they'll have pencils, paper, and something to color with, whether it's crayons or markers. Or color pencils. Yeah. But then in November, I, I kind of knew like this is going to go on for, for a long time. So I'd ask, like, can you guys get clay and watercolor and pastel so that we can do something different besides the same shit over and over and over again? <laughs> and even then, I still have kids who don't have oil pastels and this and that. I'm like, that's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't even care. So, you know, I didn't get a document camera until the beginning of December. Because it was hard, because that was like another thing too, was like when you're, we were hybrid. So I was in school teaching, you know, three kids in the classroom and 23 kids at home. How the hell do you do this? You don't. And it was very ineffective. We had these cameras built, you know, put into our classrooms that was supposed to help with, you know, help with that. But I realized that the, the cameras sucked and didn't work. So especially for someone like, like me who was pushing into every classroom, you know, like you have to then like log on. It was, it was, a, it was, it was a mess. Semantically, it was a mess. So when we got back remote in December, I'm like, I need. I asked my principal, like, do you have a document camera? She's like, oh yeah, we have like tons of them. I'm like, oh, pucker oh, brother up, please, because I need this. And, that, and like, that has made it so much easier because now yeah. I can show the kids in real time. This is how you color with pastel. This is how you. This is how you paint watercolor. Well, this is how you draw SpongeBob or whatever. Yeah. And what I've also had to do too is. A lot of flipped classrooms, so that means like I would pre-record videos like this is how mm-hmm. you use watercolors and this is how you sculpt with clay and this is how you do this project so the kids can watch it on their own time. Yeah. So you know, and the other thing too, you know, when it comes to just teaching, when you have you know six hundred, seven hundred kids, I'm constantly grading work. You know, especially now, like the marking period ended last week, and I have until I think Wednesday to input grades into our grading system and i have kids who haven't handed in things and 
like I hate harassing kids, but that's all I'm like I'm doing. It's just like, yeah. Hey, Brandon, you're you haven't handed anything mm-hmm. since September. You hand me in something because you're failing. Yeah, you know, or whatever. Anything, and, anything, no, please. Like anything. <laughs> yeah. I I wouldn't say anything because I've had some students screenshot pictures off of Google and hand it in for their projects <laughs> and had to like talk to them like this is plagiarism. Like, and oh, talk to is this you or Van Gogh? <laughs> oh no, like, no, some kids were showing me of this you know, like this project. I'm like, that's no, I know that work. That's not yours. You're like that's the Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah, that's Mona Lisa. You know, or. That's the Sistine Chapel. How did you? <laughs> is that? Do you th- want me to think that's inside your house? <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, you sculpt, you sculpted the, you know, the, a thirty foot David, and it just happens to be in your house. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, a lot of stuff like that. But you know, like the days are long, where it's they're just con. You know, like and the big issue is also like I have not even listening to too much music or whatever I can is based like in the car or like five minutes here and five minutes there because there's really no cutoff time you know like, yeah i forced myself because pre-pandemic i was very good with like not checking emails and you know keeping time for myself but now that home and school or home and work are the same yeah you know they're like i said like i'll wake up 5 30 grade projects until about 6 15 and like shower dress wake up my daughter eat breakfast morning routine and then by 8 55 you know i'm on the computer on, on google meets until you know 12 35 or whatever but then it's like small group in the afternoon grading projects emailing kids emailing parents doing this you know mm-hmm. and then okay take a break at like 3 30 because that's when the school day is supposed to end quote unquote. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know like all right family time uh-huh. dinner bedtime yeah. routine whatever and then usually from like seven thirty to about nine o'clock, it's me just grading work because if I wait too long, I get way behind. Yeah, and I can even tell you, like last week, I was grading on average like thirty to forty projects a day. You know, where it's like I'm just staying up to nine o'clock. You know, my eyes are feel like they're bleeding. You see an obscene amount of children. Oh yeah, and. You know, like you look at the same project like four times and having to tell the same kid four times I can't see your project. Just hand me in something, please. <laughs> you know, it's tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. So, I mean, then you get home, you know, then you just, you're like, all right, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to anything. I don't want to really, I don't want to do anything because you're just drained. Yeah. And that's just how, the like, only... you just, especially now, like where it's the end of a marking period or a term and you're, you have to get in grades and you know mm. people so you know they still care about that to a degree and you're just like all right i want to go listen to like like supplator or whatever you can't because you're just so tired <laughs> and you just don't care it's like i want to just go to bed right now like this is actually yeah. probably the latest i've stayed up in a, in a long time so if it goes you know? silent that just means nick has fallen asleep yeah <laughs> and, uh yeah and I will just, just I will put on Sepultura lullabies for him and just and just let him let him sleep where he is, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely is hard, and you have way more on your plate than I do because I do not see that many kids. I I see probably about a hundred kids, which is a lot, but oh, yeah, it's it, a lot. it's nothing compared to six seven hundred whatever you see that's, uh, it's, that that is obscene like, it's too, too many that is obscene too many um so i it, it's funny i was going to say 
just because the last time you were on, I believe, was the S and M episode, and Metallica, talking, Metallica had Metallica had just announced S and M two, and right. you came on, and we did like our review of the first S and M, and we had our dream list of like songs we wanted to hear in S and M two, and I was going to ask you if you've had a chance to really live with that album at all what you what your general thought was and if any of your dream songs appeared on that record um so i've had some yeah i've had a little bit of time because like when it dropped i was able to that was like my running music yeah you know because that was like my time like 30 40 minutes a day that was the last time i jogged too is when that album first came yeah (laughs) so i know i'm gonna get flack for this but i was like i i kind of disappointed a little bit in the song choices initially because i'm like oh what confusion what the fuck is that but um you know listening to it i have to say like um the data never comes is just it's one of my favorite songs like i think they, yeah. they were done really well um halo on fire was really good too that agreed even confusion actually took me back and i was like really well done i think the the first half like the first disc was really well done really phenomenal you know like i think overall like the versions on snm2 of the songs that run snm1 or are better are are better yeah you know because like this one sounded like a live album whereas snm1 sounded like a studio album absolutely you know but i felt like with snm2 it's like Iron Foundry, not not feeling it. Um, the other the other orchestra, orchestra song, not feeling it. Um, I couldn't really tell too much of a difference with like the rearrangements for Master of Puppets and Enter Sandman. Like they're similar enough, like they're different enough, but I'm like they're not that dissimilar from one another. I'm like, all right, you know, the performances I felt were better. Uh, I really like Outlaw. Outlaw Torment, I think, was so much better on SNM too. It just sounded livelier, even though I think technically James, I think, maybe swung it better on SNM one. Mm-hmm. I just felt like there was a lot more energy with this one. It felt a lot more real as compared to the first one. And then, like I said, like the second album, the second track, or the second disc, rather, kind of to me, kind of forgettable. Like some of the standouts, you know, were um, all within my hands. That was done really well. Um, Unforgiven three, it, it grew on me a little bit, but I kind of wish it was the full band. I know, like, I'm gonna get shit for this, but uh, the anesthesia thing, I like it, but I will not fall over it like a lot of people are. You know, I know it's really well done, but I just was like, okay, like that's that's really cool, and that's it. like I I know like, you know, Scott Tingle put a lot of time and effort into it, a lot of love, and I you know I just appreciate it. But it is for me, I'm like, okay, you know, that's cool. So, with disc one, I 100% agree with you. I I. I like SM2 that it sounds like a live album. That was one of the first things that stood out to me when I heard it. I was like, oh, like the audience is a part is a part of this one. I feel like, you know, on the first SM, 
it was very much a studio recording and then a song would end and you'd be like thank you and you're like oh yeah wait there, there is an audience there but this one it's like you can hear them cheering you can hear them singing along they're a much bigger part of the recording which i liked and i think it makes the performances sound more lively and um to your point that you were making and i agree with you too about the arrangements on this one i think the day that never comes was wonderfully done i think halo and fire was wonderfully done confusion I, I I mean I had the same reaction as most where, where where I like this I like the song on Hardwire but it wouldn't if I had to make a list of six songs on Hardwire I wanted to hear an SM two confusion would not have made the yeah, cut yeah, you know so uh, that one surprised me and then when I first heard it I was like eh, that was what I expected kind of a th- throwaway arrangement but then the more I listened to it it really grew on me yeah. and now I actually really dig it. Um, but this too, I gotta disagree with you on. I that's, that's fine. I, I will I will give you the classical pieces. I, I I think they're an interesting listen. Um I don't need to you know, Iron Foundry's not gonna be on heavy rotation uh, on when I go to my Metallica playlist, you know, on my phone and um but I, I, I liked the 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 venture they took you on with um the all within my hand arrangements I thought was really well done. Uh, I loved anesthesia pulling teeth. Um, mm-hmm. I I liked the Unforgiven Three. I I I, I liked the arrangement. It was just something new and different. I liked mm-hmm. the song choice because you 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 would think they would have gone for the first Unforgiven, which I would have loved to have heard. And it's like, right. all right, if they're not going to do the Unforgiven, maybe they'll do something wacky like the Unforgiven Two. Dude, so no, if, no, so right. to do Unforgiven Three, you know, was was a cool little twist. So I liked all that a lot. And I actually think that uh, the Master Puppets and Inter Salmon performances, the more I heard them, the more I liked them and the more differences I heard in the performances. Mm. And the and I got to be honest with you, I like I, I like Inter Salmon, but it's not a, I'm not upset when they perform it live. I understand they need to perform it live. When I see them in concert, I'm still going to sing along, even though I've heard it a billion and one times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if if I'm listening to a live album, Inter Sam is not ever going to be my go-to. And on SM2, right. it's still not my go-to. But I remember listening to it and then re-listening to it and being like, this is the first time in a long time I have actually enjoyed a like a new live performance of this song. Like it kind of it freshened it up a little bit, I thought. Right. So I don't I I I lived with SM2 for so much when it came out. I did a lot for the podcast and listen to it um just on repeat when i was going for my jogs all the way back in the fall and mm-hmm. i've not and i kind of like listened to it so much that when i turned it off i just turned it off and i've not gone back to it in now a number of months so lately i've been getting the itch to kind of revisit it so i'm curious mm-hmm. when i go back to it sometime soon if my opinions have stayed the same or if they've changed now that i'm like revisiting it with fresh ears so i'll right. have to i'll have to let you know but where I yeah, where I, mean, I left off with it, that was those were my opinions. But I'm I, like right. I said, I'm interested in see how my opinion has aged and how it will continue to age. Right, because like I haven't listened to it all the way through, probably since I got the album in August or whatever, and I haven't really listened to too much of it in a couple of months. So I mean, my again, people don't come with a pitchfork. I don't have time for that. And don't I, bring I pitchforks. Bring chainsaws. 
and machetes. Actually, actually, you know what? You, you could bring like, <laughs> like you could bring bring some like quarters and nickels because this shit's kids are expensive. But you know, I just think cause, like I I've listened to just, just bring diapers, more, just bring, bring diapers, diapers yeah. clothes. Actually, just bring clothes. We need what clothes, what what size diapers do you need, Nick? Let's throw it out there so the listeners bring you some. Right now, I would say like we're in size four, but size but five's yeah. coming up real soon. That well, so bad. we we do size four day, size five night. We needed a bigger diaper to hold the amount of pee my daughter has because there were times where I'd take her out of her sleep sack and there'd be no diaper on her because it was shredded inside the sleep sack. These are yeah. things you don't know happen yeah, until until you, you, until you have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would be interested to see, you know, if my opinion of like this two changes, but I felt like, I think overall though, with this two, I think it could have been arranged a little bit better with song, like the songs, like you could keep all the same songs, but it just felt like it was such like after Halo on Fire, it was just such a dip. And then honestly, Rome brought it back in for me. I was like, oh fuck, we get Rome, and that was a killer version of Rome too. Yeah. So I mean, again, I'm not saying that I hate anesthesia people. So back the fuck off. You heard it. He hates anesthesia pulling teeth. I, I, yeah, I hate it. I hate the song with <laughs> no, like. He hates the whole Metallica catalog. You heard it yeah. here, folks. Um, I heard it here. You know, <laughs> imagine if I, you came on a Metallica podcast. We talk about teaching and COVID for a good at least at least forty five minutes, and then it just ends with be like, "By the way, I hate Metallica. Bye, guys." <laughs> yeah, man, they sold out after you know Master Puppets. <laughs> it's funny too because like I'll occasionally catch different threads on Twitter. And you still get these people who are like, I don't, I don't listen to them since the Black Album. I'm like, you want to fucking? Who cares? Like, who gives a shit? Like that like, album's also what, like thirty years old? Now? Yeah, it's like thirty. I don't listen since they cut the hair. That was twenty five years ago. What the fuck up yourself. Like, I don't, I don't have been like. There's not a lot. There's not a good Slayer album since you know. Rain seasons and blood. Of the <laughs> oh, yeah, rain and blood. Seasons of the best. I'll give you seasons. Of seasons the best. of the best. Yeah. You know, but. You know, but again, you know, with like stuff like that, I'll still. Oh, when was the last Megadeth album? Euthanasia. I'll go with Euthanasia. I'll go with. I'll, I'll give them later that. I'll go with uh, the System Has Failed from two thousand one. I enjoyed that album. I did. I you know at the time I did, and now I'm like, oh, yeah. but <laughs> something yeah. that I'm not, you little baby. <laughs> Oh, Davis, they never change. Never change. But yeah, you know, I think that's another thing too, where it's like, you know, when it comes to like your relationship with different things of like, yeah, like we like criticism of things and interaction with different people online or whatever. Like, I just don't have the energy. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, you want to reload sucks. Yeah, sure. Whatever. It's your opinion. (laughs) Move on. You know, I still love you, Tom. You know, or, or like you can, you can have your opinion of like, you know, when Metallica quote sold out unquote, or when their music stopped being good for you or whatever. It's like, that's fine. I don't have the energy to really care anymore. I'm like, my energy is more like being a better person because, you know, I have this higher, not higher goal or whatever, but it's like, I'm just trying to do the best that I can here. I don't need the energy to, to argue with someone online that I don't know about, yeah. you know, that I don't know 
you know, arguing about how the arrangement of the memory remains on SNM2 is worse <laughs> or better than the arrangement on SNM1. I'm like, I just, I don't care. Nick, like, I have other Nick, priorities. <laughs> Nick, with the utmost respect, I have to say, your priorities are all wrong. Um, it is because of fathers like you that we get songs like Dyer's Eve. <laughs> Oh God! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, I only say that jokingly, of course, but I I do mention it because that was something we had talked about, perhaps going down. And this, I mean, we could talk probably about this for the next three hours, which we're not going to do. It's already past your bedtime, Nick. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do want to mention it since we've been talking so much about parenting on a Metallica podcast. You know the complex relationship that james hatfield had with his parents um that he's spoken about in interviews and that he has sung about in songs whether it be uh dyer's eve or the unforgiven or the god that failed or mama, uh, said. mama said or uh in and i'm i'm sure countless others um will pop in my head as well as we have this conversation but you know it they're it there it, it makes you wonder um how these songs if these songs would have been formed if he had not gone through all of his life experiences and it and it makes you wonder too as a parent you're like oh, i like i love those songs but i don't want my daughter to ever write that song <laughs> Right, you know, or you can, or you can have like the the Ray Cliff Burton dynamic, you know, like yeah. that's yeah, you know, like that's I, you know, like one thing that I felt maybe James doesn't talk about so much because you always you know you always see the dynamic with like Lars and and his dad, right? You Delete know how much that, yeah, <laughs> how much like he's been a part of you know part of it, the whole growth of Metallica, but I think right. with James, you know, not having you know, the best of childhoods and having this faulty relationship with his father and then his mother passing away when he was a teenager, you know, not really having that family structure, you know, he admitted like he looked up to Cliff, you know, yeah, it could see like how Cliff was very attached to his family. And I can see James being envious of that and really like, man, I wish I had that. So like when Cliff passed, you know, James really felt like that might, might have driven him even more so to write these songs about things, you know, about his about his childhood because, you know, he didn't really have that, any of those experiences that like Lars or especially Cliff would have. So, I mean, it's interesting how those first three albums didn't focus on anything in particular, any like personal. I mean, I think maybe the most personal song might have been might have been fade the black because if it was related to their instruments being stolen, right? Mm -hmm. But it was always about like you know like Lovecraft horrors and biblical plagues and you know and or if know, it drugs. was personal, it was written from the third not, person from their person perspective or some cautious some cautiously like uh, you know master like Mas Puppet. Master of Puppets is about addiction, but without him recognizing his own addiction and instead of almost like kind of criticizing druggies when he has his own right. issues with alcohol, you know? 
Right. So I think like when it came to like Dyer's Eve, which is, you know, the very last track on on Justice where it's like, okay, now he's going to open up and really talk about these things that have affected him. And then which really led more to that in, you know, with the Black Album with The God That Failed and maybe even a little bit like some other song, even like you throw in like maybe Sad But True has a duality of facing things, you know, the unforgiven, you know, know, yeah. James said he's relates to his family and especially then going on to load or reload, you know, mama said, uh, fixer. Um, yeah. Again, fixer. Yeah. I'm trying to like, remember, <clears throat> you know, like off the top of my head, you know, all these, you know, tracks that are a lot more interpersonal and, and speaking about that relationship, you know, and then watching, you know, cause I, had, I had saw that the absent footage, you know, years, you know, years ago, and I had just watched it before, you know, we came on here. Yeah. Of like, yeah, those things do affect you, you know, and how you handle relationships and how you handle yourself, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, creatively, you know, whatever the case may be. So just, just to hear James like now kind of admit like, you know, you know, he put up that, you know, the wall and then it just eventually he had to bring it down. Yeah. You know, and I think too, <clears throat> like we, because we have that hindsight of seeing him, you know, grow and mature and watch him like crumble, you know, through, through like the making of St. Anger and just all that on St. Anger coming out. Mm-hmm. And then seeing you know, like at times you're like, man, I feel that same way. And now being more in his shoes, at his particular age now where, you know, I think he might have, again, maybe had his first children around the same age that you and I had, or yeah. you know, even one or two, you start going, oh man, like, all right, so, so yeah, he might have been this mega star millionaire at 37, and I'm not, but we still have the same issues and same struggles of making sure, like, you just try to be the best person you can be. Mm-hmm. But, but at times, like, you still can act selfishly you know whether that's staying up you know too late doing some stupid shit like you know drinking too much or you know you know fucking around with something else for too long you know you can't do that you know i think we have that hindsight because you know we've had people who lived through that and and actually been able to tell it too so i think watching that's like oh yeah you know he's lived through this shit and that's something you can that you can learn from which does spill into his lyrics, which now, like, you, you know, you can relate to. Because even, like, um, with The Day That Never Comes, it talks about when, you know, about how that song is about this relationship between a father and son. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, like, you don't want that either, where, you know, like, you have, you know, you want a good relationship and not just this power dynamic. So there's a lot of that spills in through his lyrics. <clears throat> that maybe you don't realize until later on when you actually have a kid and you're like, wait a minute. Oh, that's not, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Well, and the great thing too about great musicians and great lyricists, like I think James Hatfield is, is that great lyrics are open to interpretation, you know, and there's only so many ways you can interpret a lyric like God hates us all. But there's a million and one ways you can interpret a song off load or reload, no matter your criticism of those albums. Or, you know, if you take a song like Until It Sleeps or Bleeding Me or 
um you know some of the more personal tracks on those records they just open to interpretation or uh, and if we're just looking at metallica songs a lot more so than you know you were using the example of the older songs like those are a lot more black and white right like creeping death there's only so many ways you can interpret creeping death talking about the Mm -hmm. you know the bible and the plague and it's pretty on the surface um and it's not you know like a metaphor for something it's about the plague but uh you know once you get into the more personal tracks that the human experience allows for interpretation with how they're written which i really like and enjoy and so i know there's been plenty of times where a song has meaning to me and it might be a different meaning for why it was written but it's written in a way where it's general enough where it kind of fits all human experiences because humans feel the same emotions just with different triggers or different this or different that um and those emotions as you are uh as you grow and mature and have new life experiences they change and so and i think that's when the relationship with the songs change um mm-hmm. and, and and i think too that's why you have that's why the music changed when you look at the Metallica catalog and you know besides the wanting to try new stuff it's just you you got to get all these different things out in one way or the other well you get older and you get older you have different experiences and you know I'm not the same person I was at 17 that I was at 27 now now that I am at 37 and I'll be different at 47 and what because your experience has changed so i can understand why someone who might be 10 15 20 years younger than me is like what what the fuck is up with like (laughs) loading shit and reloading all that i can understand that because i was that kid you know yeah when it was going through it yeah but you change and you know people aren't allowed to change and i've noticed that not just with like bands but also sometimes with people that you know have this perception of because like they might have met you at a certain point at your life and their mm-hmm. life and you're locked in time in this p- particular persona that you were that at, you know at, yeah. at, at that exact moment and in their mind you haven't changed and or if you do change it's this whole culture shock to them Mm-hmm. of like like wait a minute you shaved your goatee off you have shorter <laughs> hair now yeah or like you know you're you know not listening to as much you know like music or whatever it's like yeah because things change yeah you know well you become a snapshot in people's heads right so it's like right you could be you know in college you could have been the biggest rager craig uh keg parties every weekend and now maybe you're don't drink at all and you're a father and you have a good accounting job and you just have this quiet little office nook and because you know you were a crazy 20 year old and now you're a 40 year old <laughs> right and I, and, I, and I think that's hard for people to accept which is why i think it's hard for people to accept a band like metallica because they'll go on youtube and they'll watch like you know you know live ship seattle and it's yeah. like oh, i i missed this band i'm like most people miss this moment in time which you can't come back and get to you know like 
no, the band's not the same because that was, you know, 30 plus years ago. It's not going to, it's, yes, it might be the same guys, but they got 30 years of experience on them where you, you can't, you can't be the same person. And I think Metallica being one of those bands that has, you know, had so many decades under the belt now is that fans now have different entry points. So like I've said before on this podcast, my viewpoint of load and reload, I'm always going to be have a softer spot in my heart for those albums, because like you, I grew up with those records. Um, You know, I've had people on this podcast as guests who are like who think death magnetic is their greatest work. That was the first metallic album that they ever owned that they were exposed to. It's like, I get it. It, You know, like I can, I can say that you're wrong, but I, I I get it. Cause you, I I like that album. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to make my top five favorite metallic albums. It can be your favorite because you have a soft (laughs) spot. Well, you're wrong. I'll tell you you're wrong. No, but it's, but but you know what I'm saying. Like if somebody out there thinks Hardwired is self destruct, an album I love, and I think it's one of their, I think it's arguably their best album in years, from start to finish. But somebody out there is saying I like this album the best, above Master Puppets, above Ride the Lightning, right. above, and but that might be because that was their entry point, you know. And and right. I I was just thinking of this quote from Morn Michaels from Saturday Night Live. And he says, everybody's favorite era of SNL, because everybody's always, that's one of the shows where everybody's like, oh, SNL sucks out. Remember when SNL used to be funny? And he was addressing people saying, he goes, everybody's favorite era of SNL was whatever the era was when they were in high school. And that right. makes sense. You know, you, you, and then you sort of go through life. And that, I think with most people, when you're in middle school, high school, college, you form these, uh, opinions and you have these viewpoints on movies and TV shows and music and then things change and you can either be open-minded and roll with it or you can be like nope I don't like this anymore and both are valid but you have to recognize that that change happened and and, and not be like well they suck now <laughs> right you know it's just because you're older it doesn't mean like Again, like you said, like it doesn't have to be that things have to drastically change, but your viewpoint does try does change a bit, you know. Especially, you know, now, you know, or like it's about Baby Shark and super simple songs, <laughs> you know, like that's fine. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Dude, you know, is your daughter a Mickey Mouse Clubhouse fan? No, well, she's still a little on the young younger side for that. Every but, morning she gets her bottle. We put that on. And then the hot dog song comes on and she does her little penguin waddle dance and or she goes, ooh, ooh, and points. And so, yeah, yeah it, it will be. I only mention because that song yeah, is our she, baby shark. <laughs> you, know, like you know, like like we'll, we'll, we'll do like some, like a little bit of SpongeBob, which admittedly I never watched as a kid because when it came on, I was already in high school. Yeah. But I'm like watching it now for the first time as an adult i'm like this shit is so fucked up i love it <laughs> it's, it's like you know it's like the golden age of nickelodeon cartoons where you're just like, yeah there's so much 
it gets like raunchy, like Ren and Stimpy, and it's got all like this weird. See, I keep hearing that, but I, like you, I've never lived through it because I was just a little too old when it came out. So you know, I'm the Ren and Stimpy generation, you right? Know? Like Ren and Stimpy, Dog, Beavis and Butthead, yeah. Rugrats, yeah. Rocka's Modern Life, All Real Monsters, all that kind of stuff. By the way, I I remember I, maybe within sometime within the last. 10 years so i was probably in my 20s uh rocco's bar in life came out on netflix and i watched the first episode just for nostalgic reasons and i was like my parents let me watch this as a kid there's like he's like the he's like is on like his occupation is like a sex phone line there's like a boner joke or something in it i'm like it, it of course it's presented in a way where it's quote kid friendly so like i did not know what it meant and i'm like this is raunchy as hell <laughs> well it's like i was watching an episode of spongebob and i'm like i'm hearing the music I'm like that sounds like pantera and then son of a bitch with special <laughs> music over there, pantera and they did like a, a an, an instrumental death rattle <laughs> I'm like, and it's and like, so it's like, peaked, like their face are getting ripped off and their spines are out. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, but my wife watched it and because she's younger than me, and I'm like, you watched this as a kid? And like, I understand a lot more now. Like, it's, it's so, but then again, like, yeah, I watched Ren and Stimpy, and that's way, you know, especially yeah, yeah, the first, like the nine, the early '90s, you know, where they were more coy about everything whereas like the relaunch was just like so overt yeah, with yeah. all their jokes it was like two on the nose you know watching Ren and Stimpy you're like holy shit this is bad <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible like man but you know yeah but even just saying that with like with music I I don't have any problems with my daughter when she's older I'm like here you know listen to um <clears throat> the Black Album or Listen to the rain and blood. I don't really care, you know. So, you know, but it's all, but now you're kind of like, all right, what do I want to introduce her to? Well, the plus side about Metallica is that there's not, like, you really do not have to worry about profanity for the most part. Few songs only that, you know, will drop fuck or something. And the subject matter obviously can be dark but it's not like it's like slayer dark where you're saying god hates us all or talking about the holocaust or like right. it or it's not like cannibal corpse dark where it's like coming blood you know so it's like yeah. it, it's kind of like i feel like they're a good entry point for metal right. Th- them and like ozzy osbourne yeah you can't really go wrong with it you know with- yeah you know, with Ozzy or Metallica, or even like Black Sabbath, and actually a lot of and actually a lot of Ozzy is very like positive and uplifting when you actually look at the lyrics. <laughs> oh yeah, even like Black Sabbath, a lot of their songs, yeah, are about love and stuff. Yeah, and, you know, it's like all oh, it's heart bomb, like you know the song Black Sabbath, yeah. or 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 um, or like Snow Blind or you know whatever. Yeah, it's like they have one or two songs per album, and everything else is like hunky-dory corny you know corny shit like, but i re- i remember hearing uh you know like being in middle school and going back and doing my black sabbath deep dive and buying those albums and 
you know, basically exploring farther than Iron Man and Paranoid and doing my deep dive into all those classic records and listening to the lyrics and being like, why did people think they were evil? Like, I, if you hear the song Black Sabbath, okay, I get it. Like, it's a horror movie, you know, I, I get it. But then you hear... Like they're singing about love. They're singing about God and how they believe in God and how like it's like it's like way more hippie-ish than I think even now people sometimes remember. (laughs) Right. And way more Christian too in some in some capacity. Right. And it's also like you know, way more you know, positive. It was just the image they projected, you know, like, oh, it's a horror movie. Yeah. So but, but I mean, outside of stuff like that, you know, when it comes to like th- this interesting threshold of like, you know, being a parent, being a Metallica fan, you know, and all this, it, it is interesting to see like, I can get her a, like a, like a Damage Incorporated onesie or whatever. <laughs> like, I, like we have the ABCs of Metallica that I've read her a couple times. Yeah. Um, you know, she's listened to a couple. I, uh, we did listen to SM2 in a car ride one day, and she was like, Yeah, you know, she was like, Play Iron Foundry again. Yeah. You're like, That's your first yeah. sentence. Yeah. I was like, Play Iron Foundry. I'm like, I think she was adopted. <laughs> so it's, it, it I had a, a friends of ours got uh, my daughter a Metallica onesie, and it's uh, Kill 'em All. But it says M is for Metallica, has the Metallica logo. And then instead of the hammer and blood, it's a bottle and milk. And it says spill them all. <laughs> See, that's clever. That's clever. Also just goes to show the, the, you know, the business mentality of the band, how smart yeah. they are. Because I know a lot of their fans are older and have kids. Oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah. Spill them all. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, other other than what we've talked about, you know, with everything today, you know, with everything else going on, it's just interesting times that we're in right now. And you do start to reflect a lot more on like the things that you like and enjoy. You kind of hope a little bit, you know, it's like, you know, like for Christmas, you know, I told my mom, I'm like, mom, get, get Kenzie a stuffed Godzilla, you know, and she's totally team Godzilla. Just, you know like she had she didn't have any 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 say in that because dear old dad you know is big g for life but you, you kind of hope that um you do the best you can and you have you know you you're like you're a positive influence you know with you know not just you know with behavior and you know societal norms and culture and you know values and you're just really making sure that you're just doing the best you can and accepting the fact that there are going to be times you're going to fuck up. There's going to be times you're going to mess up and you have to own up to it and just move on because if you like, I didn't, you dwell on it too long, it, you know, it caused you to short circuit. So, and you're just, you're just hoping, you're just hoping to whatever you believe in or not believe in that you, you know, you do a good enough of a job where your child, you know, becomes, you know, is a good person in some part because of you, whether it's in having good values instilled in them, you know, good taste in music and culture and arts and whatever else. But you just, you always want that hope that you leave them in a better place, you know, than what you, you know, what you 
quote, found them in, unquote. So that's always like <clears throat> my big thing is like me just making sure that I'm doing whatever I can, even if it's just like looking out the window with her for 20 minutes at the snow, you know, watching cars go by, you know, bounce her up and down on my knee while we're, you know, watching SpongeBob or, you know, like just, you know, walking with her, you know, pushing her little walker around. You're always hoping for the best. And I think even like with all the, you know, with the songs that we were talking about, there's always this little glimmer of hope in there, you know, of like, you know, like this is what's been done before, you know, this past, you know, this path to hell has been, has been well-worn, you know, by other people. There's other path here that you can go down that has, you know, it's tougher. It's not easy, but the rewards much, is much better. So, and I just think too, just overall, like James has just fuck the Metallica thing. Like he's such an inspirational person, you know, where he had to like deconstruct who he was, and while I understand why people don't like the raw part of like the metal god, he is such a fascinating and inspiring person where he can have the best of both worlds of being, you know, the rock star, the rock god on stage, you know, the mighty head. But then he's also just dad. And I think too, like with our kids, you know, they're young. They don't, they don't, know any better so to you you are the rock star you are dad and i think that's really something to take away from even with, you know with how successful has metallica has been and as james has been he's still just dad and even dads are corny and even his kids are like oh god you know not, not again with <laughs> you know with the dad jokes or with the you know anything else and just watching all the interviews he's done even with like like you know going through like the absent interview and like the little punk people interview and everything else where he's just been so honest and so open about just being a good person and just having that kind of come through and going like wow like you know here's a guy who has survived addiction and being set on fire and and, (laughs) you know having people die you know people Mm -hmm. parents close to him bandmates your band almost breaking up going to rehab multiple times you know but just still seeing how he still comes out of it better and he's still his main focus is himself and his family and it's like okay well then i have this other this other band i have to you know take care of too Mm -hmm. but to me that's really inspiring of how he's been able to deconstruct himself and then rebuild i feel a better a better person out of the ashes of what of what he once was I think that is beautifully said. I think that is a great place to wrap up. I do think um, I will add uh, a couple quick notes before you tell everybody where to find you on the interwebs. But um, one, uh, in case anybody's not sure, Absent is a a very interesting documentary that came out maybe like 10 years ago now at this point, I'm not sure what year it was, but I want to say it was not long 2000 something. And it, it basically chronicles tells the story of uh, a handful of people who had absentee fathers in their lives. It, it from, you know, everyday people, there's a professional boxer um, and it ends with James uh, telling his story 
and he goes into some of the lyrics of the songs. You can find the clip on YouTube. It's probably like 13, 14, 15 minutes tops. Um, so it, it's a quick watch and it's really interesting. It does give you insight into um, sort of his upbringing and his relationship with his father and how it spilled over into uh, some of the lyrics and the music. Um, and two, Nick, I, I have no doubt that you're doing a fantastic job as a father. Um, just do not make this mistake uh, when you're introducing music and bands to your daughter. Hold off on so what? That okay. Hold off. On so I think if you go with like, you know, I, I last caress, hold off on last caress. Um, you know, maybe start with like a nothing else matters, and then do like a so what, like ease her into it at least. Okay, yeah, but what but but Mar- also merciful merciful fate medley. See, I, I think I think that's family friendly fun. Okay. You know, it, it's like Halloween, Satan witches. You know, it's like, you know, dress up, be scary, boo. The so what just might bring a few more questions, um, you know, like, what's a goat? What are you doing to that goat? Um, what is that thing in the old man's throat? I'm just I'm just throwing out some possible potential questions. You know, it's what we do as teachers. You think you go into a lesson thing. What are going to be some of the potential issues and questions that kids might have? Um, so I'm just throwing that out there. Not that you need my advice. I'm just, you know, I, I uh, you know, you learn from experience sometimes. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dick, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? I, I, I know it's probably, I don't, have you been able to post work? Is it, uh, but I know you have some old stuff up there people can check out too. Yeah. Um, uh, Nick Makoviak on Instagram, Twitter. I, I was active. I'm kind of, like I said, I'm kind of bringing myself back into the world. In fact, I just uh, uploaded, I think, two pictures to my old DeviantArt account, which I hadn't updated in like three or four years. And nice. my DeviantArt, DeviantArt's also Nick Makoviak. So I'm relatively easy to find. I would say that the most active I'm on is Instagram. I do check it every day. I haven't posted anything in a while, but you know, I just, as I've learned, it's, it's just better instead of, uh, you know, saying things that don't happen, just let your actions speak, you know, for yourself. So I don't know. I mean, there might be some things coming down the pike. There may not be, I don't know. Well, Nick, I really appreciate you finally coming back to Metallicast and having such a open, honest conversation with me. Uh, I, I think we, over the last hour and a half, we definitely covered a lot from Metallica to, you know, real world stuff, parenting, COVID teaching for uh, giving some insight into what it's like to teaching in a pandemic. So this was definitely a very honest and uh, enjoyable conversation. So thank you. You're welcome.
huge thank you to Nick Makovia for coming back to Patelicast and again having such an open, honest conversation. I know this episode was a little bit different. We definitely talked a lot about Metallica, but we went in a lot of other different directions. But I think this was a really good conversation that hopefully a lot of you out there in the Metallica Expedition could relate to and get something out of. Um, I think my episode title of Birth school metallica death is appropriate and i hope you understand why i think that between the birth of our daughters and talking about teaching and well death unfortunately in some situations and of course death is also to make light of it very metal i guess so (laughs) Please follow Metallicast on social media at Metallicast Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give Nick Makobiak a follow on social media. Check out the links in the episode description. If you are new to this podcast, please download, subscribe, and leave a positive five-star review in Apple Podcasts. All that goes a long way into helping the podcast continue to grow. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, metal up your ass. Yeah! Fans not experts.